Welcome to Women on the Line, a community radio national women's current affairs program produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Emma Hart. Yeah, and so we got a no grounds termination notice, which um, probably a lot of your listeners would know is something they've experienced in their lives, this 90-day notice. There's no reason, you know, nothing wrong with you. It's just we need the house back. Mid last year, I travelled to Sydney to visit my old share house in Petersham in Sydney's inner west. It was the night of the federal election, but the occasion was in fact an eviction party for the house, which at the time of its ending had been a share house for 11 years. So, after a little processing time, this week on Women on the Line, we bring you an episode that's a bit more personal for me than usual, featuring voices and stories from the house at Middleton Street and hopefully some insight into the shared project of living that it entailed. Oh, I'm Laura. I live at um, Middleton Street. So when when did you end up moving into the house? How long did you live here? Or? I think I moved in here at the end of 2010 and I've lived here continuously since then. So it would be five and a half years now. Mm-hmm. And is that the longest time you've lived in one share house? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that that's a normal thing to live in a share house the same share house for that long <laughs> no everyone I tell that I've lived here for five and a half years is like oh my god like <laughs> it's unheard of and I think also with the number of people who've lived here like it's not been a huge turnover mm. it's been very stable what kind of impact has it had on your life having this kind of um I don't know stable accommodation community whatever you want to call it mm. yeah huge like I can't really imagine not having it um I guess now we're in a position where we're moving somewhere, probably, you know, paying double the amount of rent, but that's a very normal amount of rent for Sydney. Um, And now, you know, I think it's less of an impact now for me than it would have been in the past because now I have a full-time job Mm. Um, and everyone who lives here now is working. Mm. Um, But in the past, when we were studying, we were all studying, you know, having to pay the amount of rent that we're now going to pay in our new place would have been really difficult mm. and yeah not having to move a lot has been really good like other people I know who lived in share housing have been moving every six months or 12 months yeah until I lived here that was about how often I moved yeah yeah, yeah. I, when I lived here one of the questions that people asked a lot was like what's it like living with five other women like do, mm. do you have an answer for that yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, I often tell people I live with five other women and we only have one bathroom just to, like, shock them yeah, on purpose. Yeah. But it's so good. Like, people are so respectful of each other's time and space here. And I don't think that's because they're women. I think that's because they're particular women. Um, mm. And that we've created a bit of a culture around that here. Um, Do you have any particular memories or anything in particular about the house that you think is notable or worth sharing or I just love this balcony that we're sitting on right now like I'm going to miss this balcony a lot we've had so many good dinners and um just quiet beers after work or cups of tea on a Saturday morning Mm. on this balcony I'll definitely miss it and looking out over to the creepy church um how about we start uh would you like to introduce yourselves for our listeners 
Yeah, okay, sure. You what can just I say, say your first name if you like. And Monica we'll... is my name. <laughs> yeah. And this is Sally. I'm Sorry. Sally Stewart. We're sitting on the upstairs balcony at Middleton Street, which is a place that we have often sat. Yeah, we've done a lot of sitting here. <laughs> uh-huh. it, um, it's a big balcony with lots of... Um, it's got a great view of the neighbourhood trees and you can mm. see into the next door's school, the school next door. It's always been a funny source of irony and tension that this sort of queer feminist house it's has been owned by a private boys school. The whole time. It's really... Yes, yes, we used to sometimes hear them practising Really? Right that's yeah. Well, I moved in in 2008. Oh, yeah, I remember the interview. Yeah. <laughs> what, what happened? Buddy was uh, a little standoffish. Oh, yeah, I gotta work on that. But she thought I was too preppy, which I understand. I am. Preppy. Well, you were studying economics, and I thought you were like right wing. Well, there you but go. I was confused because you're in the Enviro Collective. <laughs> anyway, Can so well, I, I hadn't heard it beforehand. But anyway, it was life changing for me to meet all these amazing women who were so intelligent and had so many amazing political thoughts. I had incredible discussions with them over the years, and it changed my whole life. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I've got more things to say that are not about me on this particular point. We just have to wait for a moment. I mean, this is indicative. <laughs> In the inner west, we live under the flight path. This is part of the house. It is. Yeah. I, I remember um, sometimes you wait, but often people, <laughs> people just keep talking most of the time. I remember I went away and came back and I couldn't hear anyone over the planes anymore. I think I'd adapted while I lived here. Okay. How, how long did you live in the house, Sally? Yeah. Well, I, I think I lived here for about three years. And we then, had two guys, mate. But then I moved out for a year and then came back for another really year. Really? For a year? I think, something like that, anyway. But the other thing, I think, is that for a lot of people who even did not live in the house, who were involved in the student activist community, they came to the parties here or they talked to the people here and it was sort of a source of inspiration for a lot of my friends who I've met who mm-hmm. found it just great... They found it great to know that it could be that there could be a autonomous mm. women's house in a way that was really functional and inspiring. The other thing I think, though, is um, that the rent was always less than a hundred dollars a week, which oh no. for anybody who's a student um, <laughs> and who wants to do something in their life that's not just working full time as well, it was the only possible way you could yeah, do yeah, it yeah. if if it had been the regular sydney rent which is twice that about 200 dollars a week at least mm. then mm, people would not have had any time to form their political views to have discussions to have the necessary amount of time to build community and do mm. the social work that's required in many of these spaces um is there anything else that you'd like to say about the house do you uh, well i don't know I don't want to be sentimental. Say it. Be sentimental. Well, Now's the time. Well, like all my closest friends lived here, so mm. that's nice for me. It's kind of it was kind of like an efficient way to make friends. <laughs> and, uh, you you met your partner here, I believe. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh yeah, she's my friend too. Well, you know. <laughs> How did you meet your partner here? Well, she lived here. <laughs> I saw her in the kitchen. <laughs> I think that's pretty nice. Cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is that when you first saw her in the kitchen? Yeah, when she was always eating tuna. So I'm Jess, um, I've been living in the house for about seven and a half years and um, I'm sitting in Liz's bedroom and Liz is my sister. And yes, I'm Liz and 
I've been here for about two and a half or three years and before that I used to always want to live here and would see Jess living here and would badger her and took a couple of years of being like so could I maybe live with you now and um, <laughs> eventually a room came up and Jess was like okay would you like to live with us now and I was like yes <laughs> um, so yeah Middleton Street um, delightful share house and yeah sad to be leaving it. It sounds like the house has given you both opportunities that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise been able to pursue. Would you say that's accurate or? Absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah, I've, I think it's been it's been really hard this past, um, past has it been a month since we found out something like that, a month since we found out we had to leave. Um, but it's also been a realisation of, you know, we've been so lucky, so, so lucky with rent here and, um, and with the stability of the, even though there was some we weren't sure and we were on a continuing lease we weren't sure how long it was going to last and sometimes it felt pretty patchy but I mean I've been able to live in a share house for seven and a half years I don't know anyone else who's been able to do that and um, the rent that we've been paying has been uh, like literally half of anyone else that I know in Sydney and about a third of a lot of my friends so what that has meant practically is that um it's it's meant sometimes that I could do things that other people couldn't do, but mostly that I could do the things that other people, so say other casual academics were scrapping together work in the same kind of way that I am, but I didn't need to panic about it. I could enjoy my life and um, didn't feel like I was super close to the edge all of the time. And I've had friends of mine who are in the same kind of line of work getting the same amount of work but for them it's a nightmare a constant kind of stressful (laughs) nightmare so it feels a little bit to me like joining the rest of Sydney in what's a really brutal reality which is that a huge chunk of your pay goes straight away on your rent um, which means that yeah your, your choice to be able to do things like take less work or be careful about what work you take or spend time doing things like writing which you need to do if you want to have a go at being an academic or any other kind of writer um yeah that stuff is a lot it's a lot lot harder if you're not in a place like Middleton Hmm. yeah um I'm a teacher and um I think that having Middleton when I was studying meant that I could I, I didn't have to work I could take that um, semester off that I was on my pracs, which was amazing because the amount of work that you have to do um, and the exhaustion level of the colleagues of mine that had to work during their pracs was um, a huge strain. Mm -hmm. And then, like, since starting work, uh, we have cook nights. um, And so I cook on a Sunday night and that's my cook night. And then Monday to Thursday night somebody else in the house has cooked for me which is like so unheard of and so incredible and so that kind of um I guess the the social support that the house has provided as well as financially um it's yeah it's like a lovely place to live but has also allowed me a lot of um yeah extra time and extra yeah I still miss the cook nights (laughs) and the functioning shopping system maybe that's a good segue could you describe the systems in the house. <laughs> so one of my favourites is the PEG, the PEG system for um, washing dishes. It's a great system. Um, everyone has their name written on a PEG and there's like uh, on either end of the little string there are these two little fish and one of them says, away, and the other one says, next. Next. <laughs> and um, if your PEG is on next, it's me- it means it's your turn to do 
a kitchen peg, which involves taking the rubbish out, uh, sweeping the floor, any sort of dishes that might have got left. So everyone does their own dishes, but there's always a, a mug that gets forgotten. Um, yeah, and it's like if you're not on the next little fish that says next, you can still do a peg and you just like pop yourself towards the back of the line again. And um, Has anyone ever done that? Yeah. yeah, yeah Whoa. Yeah. yeah. If, I guess if you can see that it's your turn coming and you, you know that you, you've got the time right now, but you might not later in the week, you might do a, a kind of um, preemptive strike peg yeah it is it is or like maybe you've just cooked dinner and you've got to wash up a couple of your Mm. dishes and then you see there's like a mug and the bin's pretty full and you're like i'll just do a peg now that's gonna save me you know like yeah yeah. and the faster the peg the we have a saying the quicker uh, it goes a quick quick peg's a good peg peg. (laughs) (laughs) very funny Um, (laughs) women's on the line (laughs) women on the line women on the line On community radio around Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. We're bringing you stories from a share house in Sydney's inner west. I'm Jen and I'm an ex-housemate here. I moved in in about 2010 and I've just come back to see the place before it gets all packed up and... What was your first impression of the house? Do you remember the first time you saw it? What it was like? Yeah, I came round to be interviewed to move in and I think that was the first time I'd... No, it would have been the second time I'd been here. And the first time I came in here, it was... Uh, the first impression was a special smell. We were just talking about that before. Mm. The house has a special musty, crumbly smell. and it, It's, it's also like very... Sweet. Yeah, there's this... Yeah... I don't know what it is. I, it's just the same. I actually didn't even notice it. It was so familiar until you mentioned <laughs> it, and now I can't stop feeling it. It's very strange. It's kind of like a body. I remember Jess, who was here when I was living here, we used to uh, personify the house a lot as a kind of old, uh, older lady, an aunt, a compassionate aunt who wanted us to all do the best we could by each other. <laughs> The compassionate unmarried aunt, maybe. Yeah, that's, yeah. The, she's the, certainly unmarried. The classical yeah. feminist aunt. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Amy. Why, why have you come here tonight? So I've come here for the Middleton reunion, which has become an election-watching party, actually. Yeah, so, I mean, I think I've been out of the house for two years now and didn't, I mean, I see people around but haven't stayed in touch as much as I'd like other than with... Jenny and, and Laura, so it's and Sally. Well, okay, a few people. It's been and Sam. Mm, okay, so yeah, it's been good to see everybody and yeah. And you're from Bega. That's right. I'm from Bega. Coast. Was this the first share house you lived in in Sydney, or no? It was the third share house I lived in in Sydney. Actually, when I moved up, I lived in um the Darlington Terraces, which are the dodgy little terraces near Sydney Uni for rural kids, and it was really cheap. And I moved into Camperdown, it was $230, I thought it was a massive, I mean, no, it was $130, and I thought it was a massive rip. Yeah, that now, was a lot of money at that time. It was time. a lot of money. I lived on bread from the dumpster, but I don't think you could live in Camperdown for less than 200 and something bucks now. So this, I moved in here, it's my third, my third share house, yeah. But definitely the one that made the biggest impression. 
What what kind of impression? Like what what do you reckon you took from it? It was very formative. Um, I mean, yeah. How can I distill it? Um, I mean, being in this house is like falling in love with all the other housemates, with with politics, with with our hours of discussion in the kitchen with every random item we brought home off the street, with the slops that we cooked for dinner. Vegan slop. The vegan slop, with with the hours spent leaving our mouldy teacups out on the balcony for months on end. Like, <laughs> it was beautiful. I think there was a sharedness as well. And, I mean, what you said about falling in love, I guess in some ways, you know, that's the kind of emotional language that women used to talk about each other which is largely discredited but I think that um I think that it was a bit like that I mean having the time to take a real interest and be involved in each other's lives in this intentional way I think that was really important for me when I was living here and it felt yeah it felt really important to have a place that I don't know that people cared about and put the effort into fixing you know if there are problems and things like that Mm. yeah I remember I remember the house meetings I remember how I remember how regular we were with most things. Like we were regular with our house meetings. We had all of our systems. We never missed a house meeting. They were scheduled after that house meeting was completed. And I remember talking to people from other houses about this stuff and they were always sort of in awe of the functionality of Middleton. And we were functional in some ways, except I remember the first house meeting I ever went to I like I was terrified of moving in here like I came to an interview I had some it was in in the evening I had some tea out on the balcony with everybody and I was like oh my god do they like me do they like me and I really wanted to live here so badly um but once when I moved in I was you know a little bit shell-shocked for a while a little bit shy didn't say a lot um and I've heard similar things from other people as well so it's like the most warm and welcoming house but sort of intimidating because of how great it is I was talking about the first meeting so I was scared and I didn't say much and we put a blanket out on the grass sort of around the corner where the trampoline used to be this was before the trampoline so we're all sitting down and two people cried in that meeting like like proper tears proper tears about feelings of isolation, feelings of not sharing the housework. And I was like, holy sh... There are two people crying in this meeting. But (laughs) it was quite overwhelming. But then it's sort of amazing as well that there's a space where people can... You know, sometimes deep feelings aren't legitimised unless they're within a, a couple form and to be in a place where these feelings that we all have that we might be too ashamed to admit towards the people in our lives can can come out in a legitimate way it was pretty cool yeah. did we lose anyone no okay all right how's the light are we all can you see all our faces everybody's so beautiful <laughs> <laughs> one two three middle two middle i'm rachel hyde and we're sitting in our kitchen in Middleton Street, um, having pancakes and Earl Grey tea. So the house is being evicted. So what what will you do now that the house is ending here in Middleton Street? Well, a couple of us are staying together still, um, which is lovely. And I guess we are going to create a new lovely environment for more women that can do with a safe and warm home. 
Do you think Sydney is changing? It's really, really complicated and hard to talk about, but I feel like maybe it's becoming harder to find spaces where you can have communal living that are so close into the city. How, how do you feel about that? All right, so I work in Newtown. Both my jobs are in Newtown. And um, there's lots of talk about things like the West Connects, mm. as an example. Um, I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> but you know what? Everything changes. Mm. Nothing stays the same. Whether it be relationships with someone, um, family doesn't stay the same, houses don't stay the same, culture doesn't stay the mm. same. Everything evolves. Yeah, Sydney's totally evolving. Like, I'm saying I can save up for something. I can't afford Sydney. Yeah. Um, and we've had to move a little further out um, and we're also having to significantly pay more rent as mm. well. Mm. Um, yeah, of course things are going to change. Mm. And, yeah, it's, it's a shame that breaking down accommodation mm. out of someone's wage mm. in Sydney, we're paying quite a high percentage of it. Um, but, well, I don't let it get higher than a certain amount out of mine. And I guess that's the journey that we have to go on. And if we have to keep moving further out in terms of that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess with lockout laws as well, let so much change. Yeah. 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 I'm Katrina and we're at my house in the back room and little Finley, our baby, is making lots of noise. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for making time to have a chat. So I want to ask you about Middleton Street. Do you remember how old you were when you lived there, roughly? Or Yeah, I would have been like mid-20s, so mm -hmm. I reckon I was probably about 25 when yeah. I lived there. And I probably lived there for about six months. Yeah, right. Yeah. And what was your first impression of the house? Do you remember the first time you went there? Or? Yeah, I actually originally went there because my sister was living there. Mm -hmm. um, and I just found it a really warm and welcoming space. Um, a bit shambolic, but that was kind of part of the <laughs> whole appeal. Um, and aircraft noise. That's probably a very enduring memory of the space. Do you have any feelings about the house ending now? Yeah, I feel a bit sad, I guess. Um, and so it's a shame that there's not that affordable housing anymore. I think one of the really great things about Middleton Street was that it was safe and welcoming and open, but it was also quite affordable because there were so many rooms. Um, so, and I think that was kind of deliberate that nobody ever made too much of a fuss of things being broken or, or wearing down um, so that it could stay nice and affordable. So I think that's, that's a real concern for me is that it's a bit emblematic of the changing face of the area, which is a bit disappointing because mm -hmm. there's definitely less and less share houses as people are struggling to afford it. It's a bit difficult to quantify maybe, but how did people talk about it being a women's house? I mean, was it explicit or just implicit or...? I felt like it was more implicit than explicit. I don't feel like anybody ever deliberately excluded men and <laughs> male friends are always welcome and accepted in the space. So it wasn't like it was um, definitely no men allowed. It was, But it was more of a women's space. And I think that came out of the personal politics of everybody who was living there. I don't think it was deliberate. I think it was just a general idea that um, it was a space for women particularly queer women mm -hmm. to to be, feel safe and comfortable and 
you know, hang out a lot, chat, mm. discuss everything. I reckon that back balcony has seen so many end of, you know, <laughs> rehashing all the problems of the world discussions mm. over the years that if someone had recorded it would have been amazing. I'm Rhiannon. Uh, live in the inner west of Sydney, um, working as a doctor in uh, an emergency department in Western Sydney. Um, I was in the uh, original bunch of housemates. We moved in, we signed a lease at the beginning of 2005, um, and we moved in there just before the, the start of, uh, of uni for that year. We were all students. So the house started off with, there were six, six of us, all women. Um, we'd all lived together at a, a church-run um uh, student house or series of student houses in Sydney. Uh, it was run by the Anglican Church. We'd all lived in, in those homes together um, for the preceding year or two. I'd, I'd been in this church place for, for two years, my first two years of uni. And then at the end of, of that sort of two-year period, um, we kind of felt like it was time to move on and start up a share house of our own. Mm-hmm. Um, so six of us who had all kind of been, been friends from that time uh, decided we'd, we'd get our share house. Um, Could you describe your feeling when you first saw the house, like what your first impressions of it were? Do you remember? Uh, I was so excited to be living there. It felt like freedom, you know. I just spent the last two years living in this kind of, it was like share house, I suppose, but it was kind of overseen by the church and there were quite strict rules about uh, what you were and weren't allowed to do in those places. Um, It kind of felt like growing up, moving into our first place where we could make our own rules, you know, and that place we'd all live together there was no alcohol and no boys and <laughs> um we're all we're all sort of encouraged to attend a bible study together once a week and we all walk down to church together on a sunday and it was it was like you were you're at home you, you know you did your own meals and that kind of thing but it still felt kind of protected like you're being being watched by people who were making sure you didn't step too far out of line and this was our, our first place um that, that we'd lived in for all of us really that was our own now forgive me if this is too nosy and feel free not to respond if you want but I mean one of the things that people said when I was asking other sort of older housemates around the founding of the house is that one of the reasons that everyone was pretty keen to move out of the more religious accommodation was that some people you know had figured out that they were queer and maybe wanted a space where they could explore that more and things like that I mean was that a significant factor in the founding of the house as well or no, not at all. Not originally. Um, <laughs> there was a big transformation in the first year. So um, originally we were all um, women who came from, uh, most of us came from religious backgrounds. Only one of the housemates didn't come from a religious background. And, we, and we'd all lived together in this um, pretty religious um, environment. But certainly uh, all of us were very good, upright, responsible <laughs> kids who'd never really done anything naughty or wrong or sort of pushed the boundaries too far at, at the time that we moved into the house, really. Um, um, but at the time, we were all we were all pretty, you know, kids on the straight and narrow kind of thing. Um, I, I was kind of responsible for <laughs> one of the parties responsible for um, the house perhaps changing in its culture. Um, yeah, essentially, um, two of us got together somewhat unexpectedly for me, um, not for her so much, I think. Um, and yeah, that was, that was in March, probably about six weeks actually after we'd moved into the home, but certainly that was not why we moved in there. 
Um, wow. I mean, I'd, yeah. heard, I'd heard it was a love story um, and that's how the yeah. sort of came to the queers or came to be part of the activist community. So it's, it's yeah. lovely to confirm that information. Yeah, that's true. That This is true. <laughs> yeah, I was one of the involved parties. Um, it's interesting to me that it sounds like when the house was founded it was actually much more of a pragmatic thing around, you know, having lived together in this other, um, you know, environment that was a women's environment for very different reasons? Yeah, I think um, we were very conscious of it being a women's environment. We all first moved in there from the very outset because we'd come from a background where um, we had lived in separate men's and women's accommodation. So this, this church-run place had um, boys' houses and girls' houses, <laughs> and I called them that. Um, and so we don't come from, from living exclusively with women, and I think it was we didn't even really think about it. We just, you know, it seemed like the natural thing to do to, to form a household that was all women because that was, you know, what seemed the right thing to do for us, and we felt more comfortable and safe in, in that kind of environment, I guess, with just female housemates. Um so, yeah, it went from being a women's environment in a very different sense to, to being, a, I guess, a feminist women's environment over a period of about a year or two. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if could you describe the politics of the house, like, after that shift had occurred? Is it a bit difficult to put your finger on or what, what kind of things were people interested in? I think after this, after, within the first kind of six months the sort of the second half of that first year, I guess, um, there was sort of more of a shift to, certainly for me, um, a politics of kind of exploring and freedom and um, thinking things through for yourself, perhaps in a new way or for the first time, mm. um, as opposed to just kind of uh, accepting the truths that are given to you. Yeah, I think there was a, a real... Um, background, like, like a real mixture of, of backgrounds in terms of what people were reading for themselves, what people were studying, what people were thinking about. I mean, you know, I was a medical student, so I didn't do a lot of reading of philosophy or gender studies or anything like that. But, you know, especially as more people moved into house, perhaps in that second year, more people were coming in who were, who were learning things like, you know, philosophy and arts and different ways of seeing the world, politics um, and gender studies later on, that kind of thing that, you know, um, even if I wasn't like, I'll be straight up. I just can't read Judith Butler. I've tried. <laughs> I can't do it. But it was the kind of place where you'd sit down at the dinner table and you'd learn about queer theory over a big pot of lentil soup or something, you know, because someone else was reading about it and learning about it. The stuff that I never would have been exposed to, you know, through my own studies or that, something I certainly never would have stumbled across. And even when I tried to read it, it couldn't. <laughs> there are many other housemates I wasn't able to speak with for this show and undoubtedly many perspectives which have been omitted. What has stuck with me, though, from putting this episode together has been the resoundingly positive impact the house has had on the people who live there and how accessible opportunities for this kind of living are becoming scarcer. And that's all for Women on the Line today. Women on the Line is a community radio National Women's Current Affairs program. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. We greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. 
We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email to womenonthelion at gmail.com or phone 3CR on 03 9419 Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website, 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by La Tigra. I'm Emma Hart. Hope you can tune in again next time.